Hello again, Liberty Big Lead listeners, and this is your host, Patrick McFarlane, with another episode, and again, it's 9.53pm, and it's the first moment in the day that I've gotten to myself, aside from commutes in the car, but I enjoyed podcasting last night. I don't think this episode's going to be quite as long, but I was listening to some of it back in the car, and... Uh, one thing about podcasting you always get is the regret sees, maybe, or where you're listening back and you think, oh, I should have said this differently, or this is wrong, or I misspoke here, or, huh, I didn't really make a very compelling case for that, uh, or something like that. And I was thinking about some of those few things, and honestly, the regret sees, as my contracts professor in, in law school termed regret seizes when you enter into a contract and you regret it later so you try and get out of it using legal arguments but in this instance regret seizes just not saying something or you know explaining something better than you did or wishing you had explained something better than you did and uh i was thinking back and i didn't feel i felt like my Ideas about the immigration debate came out a little half-baked, um, along with, I don't know, I probably didn't do a very good job really explaining why libertarians don't have a culture to bring to the culture war debate, uh, because I was listening to Dave Smith again today, his most recent episode that was re-live-streamed and recorded on Monday, came out today, a day later. Um, sorry. Um, he was talking more, a little bit more. There was kind of a segment about how he, um, a lot of people say that you, one of the, one of the most basic, when you first become a libertarian or, or some libertarians have this take where they say, Oh, you, you know, you can't have an opinion about whether or not you thought the NFL halftime show was, was too risque because they're a private, the NFL is a private corporation and they can do what they want. So therefore you can't have an opinion on whether or not you thought that the halftime show was too sleazy and not fit for a family audience. But Dave was saying, you know, where libertarians have to have a culture and there we have to throw on some thickisms to the libertarian philosophy. Um, actually, I think that's kind of a straw man because he's he's saying, well, okay, libertarianism itself is a thin philosophy, so I can only rightly say, Dave can only rightly argue on libertarian grounds, something violates the non-aggression principle, so therefore it's not libertarian and we shouldn't support it, or property rights, you know, he can he can only really give a libertarian opinion through those lenses. But I am such a strict, thin libertarian, and from his perspective, he seems to say that, well, if you don't have any you know, you can add your thickisms to libertarianism, 
um, or, or as a libertarian, maybe you can only comment on certain things on libertarian grounds, but it's okay to have an opinion on something outside the scope of purely, is it libertarian or is it not? You can add your cultural thickisms, as I would call them, um, because libertarians need to have a voice in the culture war. So therefore we should bring some of our own culture to the table. Well, bringing that culture to the table, if it doesn't directly deal with the libertarian philosophy, it's a thin philosophy, then it's baggage. And I mean, this is my point that like, I understand what Dave is saying in terms of, and I don't want to turn the show just into like, uh, contra Dave Smith hour, or, you know, just commenting on Dave Smith's episodes, because I don't know if everyone here listens to Dave Smith, but it just so happens that the only libertarian podcast that I'm still listening to with regularity is Dave Smith's part of the problem. And, um, I should be listening to more, but it really stresses me out in a lot of ways. And I just don't have that much time anymore to listen to podcasts. But he, I, I really, I kind of find this bothersome because as a libertarian and as I don't know if I really, and I don't want to dwell on this too much, but as I know, I, I feel like I didn't really elaborate as well as I could have in my last podcast last night. Uh, partially I'll take the ticket because I'm so mentally exhausted by the time I finally have a chance to podcast, but essentially Dave is, I don't know. I think he's wrong here. Like I, I do understand that libertarians have to have some kind of argument up beyond the pure autistic libertarian, uh, like theory of it all, the, the issues, because we win on those issues, but that's not what relates to people. That's not what wins people over. The people are unfortunately persuaded by emotional arguments or culture. Excuse me. Um, trying to resist the urge to yawn, but, um, I don't want to keep hitting the stop button. But ultimately, people are swayed by <clears throat> cultural reasons or, or reasons that don't make sense logically. They glob on to their certain ways that they were raised or things that they've held to believe where they haven't come to these positions based on logic. They've done it based on emotion or they believe that they're coming to these positions based on logic, but they're really mistaken or they've been misled or so. But you come to the point that I made last night is basically that there, there is no unifying libertarian culture. People come to libertarianism from so many different angles and it is very possible to have your own belief system, your own set of values, and to be a libertarian. And focusing on that overlap then, maybe you could deduce, but I think that you would you would fall victim to the is-ought. Uh, you can't derive an ought from an is. But I would say the description based off of, and this I think does uh, foul, run afoul of the is ought gap, but just because libertarians believe in 
small government or no government uh, just because libertarians believe in things like property rights um, and the non-aggression principle, you would therefore deduce that they are individuals or individualists, or then maybe you could try to deduce that individualists believe in personal responsibility, consequences for actions, low time preference, and conservative beliefs. And this is kind of the direction that, uh, but then again, you, you could also deduce that, um, see, this is the problem here is that you could also deduce liberal leaning sentiments or more because it still like feels like it's trapped in this left, right paradigm between progressivism or egalitarianism and socially liberal, more degenerate type behavior or conservatism, which is traditionalism, strict, um, I don't know, discipline. I know I'm using positive. I feel like I'm using positive connotations for conservative, but negative connotations for liberals, um, liberals, maybe more artistic inclined or to use some positively connotated words, words with positive connotations, open-mindedness, uh, agreeableness. Um, Jordan Peterson had a good, um, amongst mo one of his many lectures talking about the different liberals are, I think their personality is very high in agreeableness and open-mindedness, whereas conservatives are very high in discipline and, and, uh, conscientiousness. And I, I wonder, you know, if there was to be a test done on libertarians, like, I don't think that Dave is wrong to say that we really need a libertarian culture and that's what we need to promote because we live in a world full of the culture war. And I think sometimes we take it for granted that we need to enter the culture war in order to win the culture war or that we can't stay above it or anything like that. But what is the unifying libertarian culture? If we were to do a personality study on libertarians, and I believe this has been done, maybe I should like find the results of this or something, but perhaps have um, Jordan Peterson have Jordan Peterson opine on this issue and talk about do a personality test of all radical libertarians and we all have these shared uh values but to set maybe more of our you know i know libertarians and i'm thinking specifically of the libertarian union which is i don't know if it's defunct now or what but there were a bunch of b-side podcasters that i was a part of for quite some time uh, and we still have a group chat going but there are conservative libertarians I think I would be one among them. Um, Mike Tilden, who did the, um, oh, man, I can't even remember the name of his podcast anymore. It's been so the battle for Liberty podcast. He did a good job. Um, really liked his show, but he was more of a, you know, he's more of a conservative, uh, traditionalist, you know, Christian background. Great guy. And 
uh, Nick Pacone is more of a, uh, I know Nick, I think Nick listens to the show too, but Nick is more of a, he comes more from a liberal. He's a liberal atheist, um, or progressive. I, I don't know. I don't want to unjustly characterize what his feelings are, but he comes at things from more of a progressive social place, I guess you could say. And they're both good, great and fine libertarians. They emphasize different things, but they have some shared culture in some way, but primarily their culture comes from two different places. And I just don't know if there's enough similarity in being a libertarian that we could say there is a unified libertarian culture. And I guess that's just my point is, you know, maybe to concede to Dave, he's right that we need to have some kind of voice in the culture war and some unifying libertarian culture to try and influence things in that direction. But I don't know what that is. And I don't, I don't think that Dave knows what it is either because what he talks about on his show are not liberal, like liberal in, in Nick specifically has said this to me is that, um, from sounds like Liberty or now peace freaks is the rebrand of sounds like Liberty where they interview people from, they interview NCAP voluntarists, libertarians from a music on a musical bent. And I've appeared on that show before. I really need to appear again. Um, but they talk about music and <coughs> excuse me. And they, you know, there's, I don't know what that unifying culture is. Um, but Nick has told me that he very much disagrees with a lot of the, uh, conservative, um, think cause, cause Dave has changed so much in the past few years since his career really took off. And since he got married and had a, a daughter that he's gotten a lot more conservative and all the things that he really describes are all uh, these things that he describes as being libertarian culture, I think solidly are conservative values. And in many cases, they're conservative values that real Republicans and conservative families across this country hold. Um, except they just have different political um, implications or beliefs beyond that they're not libertarians but a lot of their family values and nuclear family unit and structure um all those traditionalist values are solidly conservative i don't know if there's anything particularly libertarian about it but that's the beauty of being a libertarian is that we'll take you as you are just leave those beliefs i don't want to say leave them at the door but don't try to try to argue to other people that they should be the way that you are. And there's some argument from the right that, okay, these libertarian values are solidly of the right and they come about because of the nuclear family unit. And, um, it's more likely to come from that bent. And that's their point, you know, against whatever degeneracy or, or, what have you, but I don't, I think the evidence is only anecdotal 
basically that libertarians only come from the right. You could only anecdotally say you can't, there might be numbers for this, but you can anecdotally say that libertarians are mostly from the right, that either ANCAP or voluntarist libertarians are mostly from the right. I know tons of ANCAP libertarians that, or voluntarists that come from the left and still hold their, their progressive social values. So anyways, I think that's all that I have to say. I hope I articulated that point a bit better. I was going to talk a little bit and shout out to the Chippewa Valley Libertarian Party because that is the organization that we have been creating in the Chippewa Valley, uh, which is in West Central Wisconsin. And we have created this organization in the past couple of months. And I wanted to talk a bit about how I know there's uh, a lot of purity spiraling OG liber libertarian voluntarist anarchists who want nothing to do with the state. And if you've, you know, I still, uh, voting, it's a kind of a touchy subject for another podcast episode. Uh, I think it's mostly useless and borderline consenting to the state in some way. Um, however, you know, the purpose of, from my perspective, the purpose of the Chippewa Valley Libertarian Party or any, if you're going to be involved in politics, bring it as local as possible. You have the most amount of influence and the local government has the most amount of control over your life. Um, whether that's through zoning laws or charging you property tax or, um, different county and state ordinances or hosting the very police forces that are enforcing the laws over your head. Um, and in some cases here, having, you know, electing a DA who is willing to pursue less victimless crimes could have a massive effect on your community. And so conversely, if I wanted to ever run for DA and I wouldn't, uh, be, I'd never be elected, but I would completely do away, you know, with victimless crimes. Any drug law would not be enforced in my jurisdiction for as much as I could get away with it. Uh, but you, could you imagine if, if that actually happened and someone tried to do that? It'd be, it'd be crazy. It'd be cool. But I think it's great. We've tried to create this organization. I think it's going really well. We passed the bylaws. There's about six or seven or eight, maybe 10 plus members. Um, going forward, we have enough officers to really run the organization and we'll be focused on educating people in the area about libertarianism. We'll be focused on doing actual volunteerism and service project works. Uh, we'll be focused on tabling at local events and trying to, uh, launch candidates for local office. And, you know, if, if you're one out there that would really drag me about getting involved with this, because, you know, this, this podcast, I guess, doesn't have the audience that my, the Liberty Weekly podcast has. I think that this podcast gets, you know, between zero and 50, listen, zero and 50, 
regular listeners, whereas the Liberty Weekly podcast, at least when I um, am a good boy and put out episodes on it, will get over a thousand downloads. Um, and I've got had a lot of people in the, in give me grief about this. And let's just say, like, okay, if you're going to give me grief about being involved in the local party, then. I better go to your place and you better be a hardcore agorist. You better be doing everything that you can practicing what you preach about how you can subvert the state by choking it off through agorism, because that's the only way, um, you know, if you're saying you can't at all be involved in politics to try to minimize the state's influence over your life, even if my bent is I'm doing it for educational purposes, to reach people because, oh, people tend to listen to political parties, uh, mainstream, you know, try and reach people where they are. Uh, they tend to be, they tend to look towards politics in that arena to better inform themselves about politics. It's a funny thing. Um, but if you would give me grief for that, you better be a hardcore agorist with your own voluntary community. You better be participating in black and gray markets. Uh, you better be evading your taxes. You know, you better be doing all those things if you're really going to give me shit for this. Um, but so I, it's exciting. And I think the best thing about the being active in this local organization is that and I would challenge everyone who listens to this show to do this too, is seriously link up. There are people in your community. If I can find eight people um, in my community within 30 miles of me that have heard, listened to these podcasts, have heard of Tom Woods and Dave Smith and Ron Paul, then there are certainly a lot more people um, in your communities that you could be linking up with and making friends with and, and taking some kind of action with. And I would challenge you to do that. First of all, <clears throat> you might affect some actual real change in your own life. Uh, second of all, you'll meet some really great people that you'll have awesome connections with and your own mental health will be better because someone finally understands, you know, where you're coming from and someone you, know, you have that camaraderie and fellowship and i think that's really special and important maybe perhaps the most important part to me and special part to me so i challenge you all to go out and do that uh get involved and so and if there's no local organization then start one maybe starting one would be the best um because you know, you really like to avoid the thing that's plagued the LP since its inception is this crazy infighting, um, an actual really wacky, crazy, um, you know, cause imagine this, the libertarian party and libertarians have a subset of people who are just really eccentric, strange people and, it's a little bit of an image problem. It's quite a bit of an image problem for the Libertarian Party, um, but for Libertarians in general also, is just really strange and eccentric people that are no one in the mainstream takes seriously. Like, case in point, Vermin Supreme. 
and this leads me into maybe the next and final topic that I really want to discuss, but I've seen it around and I haven't checked into this real closely, but I've heard that Vermin Supreme is, is pulling very closely to Jacob Hornberger and I have no clue how in the hell did this happen? This can't be a serious thing. Like this has to be some kind of, okay. It's probably not a psyop. Um, but I guess the conspiratorial side of me is like, how in the hell does someone like Vermin Supreme, how could he come close to competing with a candidate like Jacob Hornberger, someone who is legit on the issues, um, has been in this world for a long time, is respected by lots of different people, uh, has, has a body of work to show um, for his positions, is articulate, comes across reasonable um, as opposed to a quasi homeless man who, you know, I don't, frankly, I guess I don't know very much about Vermin Supreme. I know that he in some ways is a meme and a lot of the things he talks about is a joke. And the point in voting for him is to be like an atomic bomb, maybe in a way Donald Trump F you to the system. Like this is a whole joke. We're voting Vermin Supreme because, he makes, you know, he in of himself, his candidacy is a joke, and it shows how little that we think of the state. And he talks about free pony programs for everyone, and he wears a boot on his head, and he just looks unkempt and dirty, like um, a dirty, hungry Santa Claus figure, like the opposite of a Karl Marx, perhaps. And I, I really don't understand how, how this is happening. And I guess I apologize to anyone who listens to the show who really supports Vermin Supreme who, or who thinks it's a good idea to try and get him elected. For me, it's kind of like, um, you know, why why do people in the LP have to be wacky? Why Why can't they just be... I don't want to say well-to-do or just put together people who present well to, to people who are in the mainstream or at least, you know what I'm getting at here? People who are presentable. I mean, in the LP, you got people like Karen Harless who has, is famous for wearing a, a neon pink wig and you have Dan Behrman who's running for, for president who, who wears this, a fucking wacky taxationist theft like top hat that's like a cartoon character thing and you got the guy in his underwear running across the LP stage during the the national con convention and you have people like Vermin Supreme who you know and from what i understand this is a state level LP thing and a national level LP thing that there is the craziest bunch of people who no one takes seriously. And what we really need are, I think, are leaders in business in the community and people who, um, who are, are large parts of the community in terms of their influential people. They're well respected by everyone in the or by lots of people, the larger business community or the larger legal community or what have you. Um, we don't need eccentrics and people who are only well known in one small sliver of libertarianism. 
in the community or, you know, in, in some ways I, I'm talking on something I don't have direct knowledge of. I'm assuming that people who are, I would consider to be extremely eccentric who are active in the Libertarian Party, I am assuming based on their eccentricities and 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 things of that nature that they are only well known and they're only highly involved in the in the libertarian party politics and what we really need are people who are yes who are involved in the libertarian party but beyond that are well known are successful business people um or successful in their careers um and if you're not successful in your career like at least you are a successful mover and shaker in some kind of a charity organization, or you are involved in service groups like Rotary or Lions Club or um, the Optimists or the Elks Lodge or um, Freemasonry or, you know, <laughs> triggered a lot of people there, conspiracy theorists. Um, um and who are on um, not boards, like boards for nonprofits, or who are involved with the Chamber of Commerce, and or who are involved with their churches or some kind of organization. You have to have, and this is part of being a successful attorney and professional development, um, but you have to have people who are respected in their community and not just for their for politics that comes last you have to build coalitions with people you have to be known and maybe we have too many people in the lp who are only known because they're in the lp and they become famous within the lp but in their respective community um their community members at large don't know these people from adam and you know, if, if you're someone, and maybe this is why someone like a Ron Paul is successful and respected is because people knew him first in his community as being, um, an OB or a, I don't know what the older term for an OBGYN is or a, um, you know, a, a baby doctor, right? Um, he was known and respected for that and probably in his church and probably like, I'd be willing to bet that Ron Paul at least at one major point in his career was heavily involved with either Kiwanis or, or Rotary or some other organizations. And I would be willing to bet that Ron Paul was on different profession or different boards, um, for organizations or, um, I'm just thinking about, uh, nonprofits or, you know, what have you like that. So I think we need more of those people. Because people in the community, they respect your opinion a lot more if they've seen you um, involved. You know, going out to lunch with people in the business community, uh, being serving on these boards, donating your time, going to different charity events, uh, going to Chamber of Commerce events, and, um, you know, going to Boys and Girls Club and, and mentoring young people or what have you. That's really how you get influence when they, when they see how much you care about the community and how much you really want to inspire good, then you have a lot more, um, what is it? 
pathos or ethos, you have a lot more of that credibility with them. And I think that's kind of the way forward. So I guess I'm getting off my, uh, my little soapbox here talking about these issues, but I hope you, uh, enjoyed this podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Um, thanks for listening and for, you know, last night's episode, I, I hope it's a bit more coherent. I did get a chance to listen to the, the back half of, of yesterday's episode, but I'll try and keep putting more content out. I know I really owe my patrons some Patreon content, but I'm putting these episodes out, um, in hopes that it will kind of whet their appetites until I can get out some exclusive content to them. Um, cause I really do appreciate them and trying to get back on the saddle with transferring the Liberty weekly podcast over to anchor FM and trying to get some cheaper web hosting for my website. Um, but transferring that Liberty weekly podcast over to anchor will really allow me to do more impromptu shows like this and cut down on the production process. So that's kind of in a way that's my, my priority going forward. So um looking forward to doing that but also getting more of these shows out and trying to it's been a bit of a struggle coming up with topics but in in this night i guess i was able to hit up um three or four different things so all right well thanks everyone i hope you're having a good week so far peace out oh yeah hey and if you're still listening I want to challenge one of the listeners of the Liberty Bigly podcast to go to anchor.fm forward slash Liberty Bigly, B-I-G-L-Y, and leave me a voice message so I can put it in the next episode because it's easy for me to do that in here. Like it's literally click on the message and voice drop it to where I want it to go. So if you're one of like, the Liberty Weekly super fans who listens to this show, um, one of the 30 or 40 people, please leave me a voice message at, um, I think, anchor.fm forward slash Liberty Bigly. That's Liberty spelled the regular way, and B-I-G-L-Y, that's one word. So leave me that. Thanks.